0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: The Athletic. Hello listeners and welcome to the Offside Rule. I'm Hayley McQueen and yes, I'm standing as his host because Kate Borsay, oh she's just far too busy to be getting in on the podcast action today. We'll tell you what she's up to a little bit later. But joining me today, we have offside rule regular, and I do believe this week's totally
2: host, Lindsay Hooper. Yes, um, I enjoyed that actually. It was, um, it was great because we had so many talking points. Gareth Bale mm. having one of the games of his life, brilliant free kick. Italy not making it to the World Cup for a second yeah. time in a row having been European champions, crazy. Uh, so loads for us to talk about. Um, what did you make of all that, Haley? For me, of course, you
1: want to see the best nations. You want to see the very best of the best and the best managers at the biggest tournaments. And you saw, obviously, what happened at the Euros and you're wondering, oh, could they make it a double? Could they, could they win the Euros and then the World Cup? And they're not even there. Mm. My best friend's husband actually works on Italian football and he's been so excited about going out to Qatar to cover Italy. They've planned their whole Christmas and winter and seeing family friends because they're living out in the states right now and his wife is a is a broadcaster as well kane murray and she's going to be out there working and it's like oh my goodness okay it's bad enough for the italian team and berta mancini but for those people who are expected to be working on it it's just a little knock-on effect for things like that so i haven't actually spoken to him yet i'm a bit too scared i thought i'd wait until it all calms down (laughs) never count on football Never. I know. Well, let's bring in our next guest, our ultimate superstar. I've never been on a podcast with Anne Marie Batson, who is, of course, a podcasting legend (laughs) and broadcaster. (laughs) Hi, and I can see you. We're all recording this on Zoom. Hey guys, hey
0: everyone! Thank you for asking me to be on, and lovely to meet you in long last, Haley. It's been Yay. a it's been a long time coming because I've worked with Lyndon and, and Kate for ages, and they're dons as far as I'm concerned. So it's lovely to meet you, and you're a don as well. So it's been good.
2: So Get when in. Hayley said super sub, mm. Anne Marie, you really were, because you've clearly <laughs> just been the sub for Haley.
0: <laughs> I'll take That's that it. any day. I'm happy. Be, I'm happy being a super sub. I know some people aren't when they're asked that
1: kind of thing, but I'm happy to be super sub. I'm quite flattered. By and you know what? It's kind of the theme of the week, isn't it? Because you look at England and what happened with Gareth Southgate, and and you know, lots of different players getting their chance to come on. They he used every single sub going. And you were at the England game uh, midweek. I was there at the weekend watching England, which was great fun. I had six packs of Haribo. Other sweets uh, <laughs> are available, of course, but that's what they were dishing out in the royal box at the weekend, which was definitely an
2: experience.
1: But what the did you, royal what did you box. make of it?
2: Oh. I know oh wow, <laughs> wow right there, let me just a... pick up that clangor <laughs> oh, because no. you tried to disguise it with mentions of Haribo and I know in the Royal Box uh-huh. there will have been much uh-huh. more on offer than just Haribo <laughs> yeah uh-huh. full on
1: prawn sandwich would be great or smoked salmon and capers should I say wow. mm-hmm. very nice
0: very nice well mm-hmm. I was there on
1: Saturday as well I did both games so it's been a quite t- tight turnaround
0: for me over the last few days being at Wembley twice in a few days great great atmospheres for, for both matches and great turnouts as well it was good to see a nice full Wembley for both considering they're friendlies as well and they're on the TV I think it was a really good turnout over 70,000 for both
1: yeah absolutely and we certainly watched it in the sunshine as well I certainly did on Saturday I got all dressed up for the summer and then of course left in the evening when it was dark and absolutely freezing <laughs> Right. If this is the first time listening to our podcast, hello and welcome. And if you're looking uh, for a little bit more from us, you can go all the way back through our archives and of course, subscribe on your favourite podcasting app. You can follow us on Twitter as well. Lots of uh, news, constant updates there on at Offside Raw Pod. And there's our website as well, featuring many different uh, articles and we'll be discussing discussing one of those a little bit later. It's offsiderulepodcast.com. Coming up on the show, as Anne-Marie mentioned, great attendances at Wembley for friendly games and with the attendance record for a women's game set to be broken tonight, of course, as we record this during Barcelona's clash with Real Madrid, we talk about which other club records could bite the dust in the final few weeks of the season and there's plenty of records or it's up for grabs. And although the Premier League title race is dominating headlines across England, there are also plenty of other leagues going right down to the wire. So we're going to take a look at that in section two. But first, with the international break drawing to a close, we want to put forward some shout-outs for players that deserve more caps for their country. Yeah, yeah. As we know, it's been all about the international break, and though everyone is no doubt excited about domestic football returning this weekend, we feel it's definitely been a break to remember. I just want to give a shout out to Ghana for getting to a World Cup, beating arch rivals Nigeria. And one of my best friends was out there. She flew out to Ghana on a whim. She booked a ticket on Thursday night, flew out on Friday to go and make sure she watched the game on Saturday did happen to be nil-nil, but luckily Nigeria didn't score any goals because that's what got Ghana through, of course, the away goals when they took on Nigeria with Chris Hutton and George Boateng doing their things. I think it's just wonderful that Chris Houghton is going to be taking a team to a World Cup. So... Big up uh, Ghana and some really exciting uh, countries as well. Going to be playing out in Qatar. I'm still just waiting to find out if Scotland are going to be there. I've got to wait till June. I feel like a kid <laughs> who, in the summer holidays, is counting down until Christmas and just absolutely cannot wait. Uh, so much to talk about. There was the Gareth Bale free kick. I mean, just Gareth Bale overall being an absolute hero. Christian Eriksen's goal, pretty much with his first touch of the game, and of course North Macedonia's shocking. The European champions, as we've already touched on, it's also got us thinking, though, hasn't it, ladies, about the players who deserve more caps for their country? Why hasn't it happened with some big names being denied serious minutes for their national sides? So, I'm going to throw this straight out to today's special guest. What have you got for us, Anne Murray?
0: Do you know, I was—it got me thinking last night when I was at Wembley. I was thinking about Connor Cody, and I was thinking that as I was, as I was driving home, he's always named in an England squad he's been part of the England squad since around about August 2020 of course and then when I came home and I was doing a bit of prep and I was thinking he's only won nine caps of all the times he's been in the England squad and I'm sure there's various reasons around that but if you think about his Premier League record in terms of being with Wolves he's made 144 appearances in the Premier League pretty much plays 90 minutes every single match. He was dubbed by Steve Holland at the last Euros, of course, the assistant manager for England as the player of the tournament, despite not playing a minute in the tournament itself. And then if you look at his England record leading up to his senior debut, he pretty much played, you know, under-16s up to the under-20s lots. His most prolific time was for the under-17s, 17 times he appeared for them. And yet, and yet, only nine appearances in the England senior team since 2020. And I, I kind of have a theory as to why. It's I, you know, that idea that Gareth uh, Southgate is not particularly keen on going on a on a back three. He did play a back three in the friendly for Switzerland, and then reverted to a back four for Cote d'Ivoire. So I don't know, but it it just. I don't know. I, I'm a big Connor Cody fan and I just feel like, you know, he's 29 years of age now and there's not going to be many Euros and World Cups left. And when you've got youngers, as the young people say, coming in like the Mark, Mark Gays of this world, the Tyreek Mitchells of this world, you kind of wonder how long has he got left? Because I would not like him to be the player of the tournament again, so to speak, in inverted commas, without
2: having actually played in a tournament for Qatar.
1: Mm, Yeah, very good points there. Very good points. What about you, Lindsay? What have you got?
2: I have got a Wolves player as well, but for a different national side. One I wanted to speak about. What I will say about Conor Cody as well, Anne-Marie, I think it's the dressing room factor. I think that's why he's named in so many of Gareth Southgate's squad. He's just a brilliant leader and he's great to have around. But yeah, I have made the point before that it, it's nice to have a lot of things around, but you want to actually be called upon. So um, so I do agree with you there. He's been brilliant for us. But someone else this season, perhaps the differential maker for Wolves this season compared to last season, is goalkeeper Jose Sarr. Now, he's not anywhere near really being number one for Portugal. There has been an injury recently. He has managed to get into the three, but... It's been a long time coming. And you look at the stats that he's got, a first season in the Premier League, and you'd think with his numbers that he's displayed that he would be right up there. What has he got to do to be given... Even the number one shirt, I think against Rui Patricio, and we can do this comparison with his time at Wolves really easily, you know, Patricio's a fantastic keeper now at Roma. But what he was, was a keeper that very rarely came off his line. Um, He was a shot stopper. What you get with Jose Sarr is a keeper that not only can shot stop, but is very keen to come off his line, claim balls, come out for crosses. In fact, in that sort of sweeper-keeper role, He's top of that in the Premier League at the moment. He has successfully collected, I think it's something like 26 or 28 crosses, which is six more than second place Alisson for Liverpool. So he's displayed that. He's got the third most saves in the Premier League this season. Um, he's made the most saves from shots inside the penalty area. He has got so much that you could just reel off about him at the minute and... and and I think for that first season, just sort of honing in on that, the fact that he hadn't played in the Premier League before it's outstanding. If he can't get his national manager's attention right now, in this moment, this season, how is he going to get more caps for Portugal? Mm, that is very true. And it's, it's a, such a problem with, isn't it, goalkeepers, because
1: managers tend to pick goalkeepers with big Tournament experience, but then how do you get that experience if you're not being given the opportunity to play in a in a big tournament, so to speak? It's mm. it's 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 a really really difficult one. But
2: you even look at the the top three, Haley. There, so you've got Rui Patricio, mm. who's number one, Anthony mm. Lopez, Rui Silva. You're telling me that Jose Sa doesn't come above Lopez Up and then. Silva at the moment. Yeah, even if you're going to say well, I we're agree. going to stick with the the Should. trusted and the known, yeah.
1: Well, what about more call-ups for uh, Wolves players? What about Adama Triori's <laughs> loving life back we're at Barcelona, isn't he? And, <laughs> yeah. might as well. <laughs> yeah, we're doing we're doing we're doing all Wolves just because yes. it's because it's you. And yeah, he's got four assists in ten appearances so far. He's really enjoying it. You you're kind of looking at the story right now, aren't you? As well with him potentially leaving. There's going to be a bit of a swap deal, I believe. Fabrizio Romano uh, reporting that President of Barcelona is keen on a deal between him. Him and Trincao
2: no so but just I can one... tell you that's not going to happen Haley. do you not think no, absolutely not I think Wolves have already said um they're open to Trincao leaving um, okay so I don't think that's going to happen
1: but just oh, oh you just wonder about the money don't you mm. money 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 talks what is Trior going to have to do to, to play a little bit more for Spain is he going to have to turn up for training on time a little bit more mm. because apparently even though he's back at Barcelona and f- you know finding things back at home you'd think waking up in the sunshine would help you get out of bed just opening up those curtains and seeing Maybe a very different view leave. to uh, the midlands <laughs> yeah. quite possibly but yeah he's been criticized for his poor timekeeping. so got to sort that out, kid. Um, he's only 26 years old, and he's actually only had eight caps um, for Spain, surprisingly. They, they have all come fairly recently since 2020, so he's getting a lot more opportunities. He is eligible to represent Mali. Thank you very much, Dougie, for providing me with this information in his podcast research. So maybe he is regretting his decision. Maybe he would be playing far more regularly if he decided to play for Marley. Maybe having a bit more fun if he's playing for Marley. Maybe Maybe they'd be a lot less competition I think absolutely. Yeah at Barcelona he had four goal uh, sorry one goal and four assists in 14 games um, but yeah four assists in his first ten appearances when I was looking at his stats is actually not bad going. Maybe they just want a little bit more in terms of the ball going uh, between the posts as opposed to slightly wayward which has been happening but I just think his his assists rate, I think what he could offer Spain going forward particularly with, with international the Nations League and all the games that they're going to get to play in now which are not just friendlies I think the Nations League has been an absolute joy and that's something I don't know what you think about it Anne-Marie with the Nations League at least you think well like with Italy okay they're missing out on a World Cup and you're like oh my gosh how long have they got to wait until they play another tournament that's going to be the Euros that's in years time but the Nations League I, I guess provides us with that competitive action in between these breaking points
0: oh yeah I absolutely agree and I think uh, you're seeing, you know, teams from smaller nations, shall we say, getting the opportunity to take part in a tournament, likes of Nations League. I know it was at the time because of such a concern about the congested calendar and player welfare, but I think a lot of people have actually bought into it. I really enjoyed watching it, and I think you're right. Now there's going to be more tournaments because you know FIFA and UEFA like to propose lots of tournaments, don't they? I think it will give the chance now for other players to to step up and and get into their national teams. And I agree with you. I think Adama Trial, I think he's an absolute star. It's mind boggling why he's not featured more for Spain.
2: I like the Nations League, but I cannot get my head around these friendlies after teams haven't made it through to a World Cup where Italy played Turkey. It just was ridiculous. Can you imagine being a player for that? You just wouldn't be up for it at all.
1: I'd be like, sorry, Mm flight's a book to Dubai. I'm off. (laughs) Slight, Slight injury. I'd be that player.
2: Yes, I think on on that occasion, I probably would be. I'm going to throw in some non-Wolves players. James Madison uh, for England he's only had one senior cap. And I I think about the form that he's shown at Leicester City in the time that he's been there. I know that he has patches where he disappears a little bit and comes back. I mean, right now, I think he's started to hit some form again. He's just 25 years old. But even in seasons gone by, we know he's had those patches where he's been great. He's also a threat from set pieces, a real driving force, I think, coming in from midfield. If he's given that freedom as well in the 10 role, I think he can do a a, a lot from that position. So I think, Madison is one that surprises me. He's not got more caps to his name, mm. and he's had he's had experiences with the uh, lower levels of England. So why mm. not more? with the seniors do you think he just got a bit unlucky I remember he was going to make his debut against the USA
1: just before injury ruled him out he didn't even make it off the bench in the Nations League did he there was games against Croatia and and Spain and you thought okay finally he's going to get his chance Gareth is going to go with him and lo and behold he gets injured and then you just kind of get forgotten about have you got any forgotten men who maybe haven't even won a cap at all because I've got one up my sleeve and I was absolutely shocked to find out that he'd he'd never uh, won a cap what about you Anne-Marie
0: well, um, I'm going to have to go with uh, Mikel Arteta, of course. Mm. I mean, I, astounding the amount of appearances that he made playing for Everton and Arsenal and never won a single cap for Spain. And you look mm. at him now as the Arsenal manager, the talisman that he is for Arsenal, and you just think, goodness me, and also, you know, being captain as well at Arsenal, you see, and one of the best midfielders ever, and yet he didn't get a single cap.
2: I wonder was, how much that oh.
0: burns. That must burn mm. you a lot.
2: He was in the middle of golden generation though, wasn't yeah. he? Spain were European champions, they were world champions. True. I think getting in that team and you look at some of the the players in midfield as well where he would have been competing for. How do you how do you brush aside Xavi or you hmm. know David Silva or any of those I just think yeah it's impossible.
1: Similar thing with Paolo Di Canio when you look at the teams he actually played for in Italy and how many games he played for uh, Italian sides but didn't get a single cap for his national team, 149 goals in 670 games. He, of course, played for Napoli, Juventus, Lazio, Milan and then came over to uh, the UK and spent time at Celtic and then West Ham, amongst others as well. He did all that. He had such a long career. He was relatively injury-free and just somehow didn't manage to win a single cap for Italy, it's
2: absolutely astounding. Wow. And now you look at the the golden oldies that have had loads of caps. This is on the other side of the coin. And we we can look across the board, when you look at Thiago Silva and players like that, they're they're coming to retirement age from international duty. Mm. Benucci, Chiellini, they're not gonna get the chance, are they? There's quite a lot of those in that bracket that I don't think we'll see at any mm. more tournaments after Qatar. Yeah,
1: what a shame. Okay, ladies, we're going to move on to talk about all the title races that are happening across Europe and let's get stuck in as well to our very own Premier League title race. Uh, With the season very much entering the final stretches, uh, with most leagues having about eight games still to run, we just want to talk about the most exciting title races right now and who we see finishing on top. I just think this is Absolutely, what the Premier League needs with Manchester City and Liverpool. We thought that City were running away with it, but Liverpool, bravo for giving us this title race. I'm very excited. We're taking the football show on Sky to Manchester, so I'm going to be presenting live on Friday afternoon with a massive big build up show, which I'm really looking forward to. And it's actually quite nice to be involved in a kind of an outside broadcast that, that doesn't involve Manchester United. Obviously, I wished it did, but for. <laughs> I'll be presenting inside the Etihad talking about Liverpool and Manchester City so I'll be the ultimate neutral uh, mm. for this one. So these two teams have played the same amount of games they're separated by just a single point and when you look I've tried to look at the games that both Liverpool and Manchester City have left and I've looked at um, the reverse fixtures for all of these to see where some of them may come undone and it is nearly impossible to call. There are Things to play for, for different opposition for these sides towards the end of the season for very different reasons. Either those battling to stay up, those battling for a place in in Europe, of course, or just battling for, for pride and bragging rights like the games against Manchester United. And of course, they play each other and you do wonder if that game is going to be, a title decider. How are you finding the Premier League title race, Anne-Marie?
0: Really enjoyed it. I've got to say, it's flown since, you know, January onwards. It's absolutely flown by. I can't believe there's only, what did you say, eight games left the rest of the season? It's like, where has the time gone? And it's kind of, yeah, you know... Confession here, I thought Chelsea pretty much had it in the bag back in October November last year. So what do I know? But what I like is that it's not going to be a stroll in the park for either team. They're going to push mm. each other. And the fact that they're meeting each other several times as well between Manchester City and Liverpool. They meet each other in the FA Cup semi-final, which is just good. I'm going to be working mm. that one as well. That's going to be amazing atmosphere. So I'm liking the fact that it's going to go right down the wire. This is what it needed after the two years of the pandemic... The stop start of the season and all the turmoil that brought, it's actually good to get this now big crescendo, if you like, this big finale of the two best teams in English land when it comes to football, Liverpool and Manchester City. And if you, I cannot tell you which one's going to do it. I think it's that close as a neutral. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it. And I feel for all the Liverpool fans and I feel for all the City fans because they're going to be grinding at their teeth or pulling their hair out or, you know, just pacing the mm. room as it comes to a close. But uh, yeah, fascinating. The games, as you say, Hayley coming up, every single
2: game is going to be vitally important.
1: How are you enjoying it, Linz? Covering it as well, of course,
2: so closely. Yeah, I I didn't see Liverpool closing the gap in the way that they have. Um, Not because I didn't think Liverpool would go on a winning run, just because I didn't think Manchester City would give up any points. I thought that they were Mm. in that sort of steamrolling phase where they were just going to, maybe glide to the title and and of course this has made it more interesting i still believe that city will win this i still think they'll they'll win the premier league title i feel like most of this is going to now be hinged around that huge game at the etihad isn't it and Mm. and I, i can't see them losing that one but you know, stranger things have happened. These are teams that are going up against each other, like you say, multiple competitions at the moment. I just feel like there's something about Liverpool and the Champions League and them probably going on to win that. The one competition that Pep Guardiola wants to win uh, and then City just winning the Premier League and, and falling short in Europe again. And it, it does feel like that's been the narrative for so long that it, it's sort mm. of pre-written. Um, it's going to take a monumental effort, I think, to, to disrupt that. Um, I, really, I really do fancy an English team winning the Champions League again. And, and I can't see past Liverpool for that one. So I'm, that's where I am. I'm, I think Liverpool uh, win the Champions League, City uh, win the Premier League and the FA Cup. I have no idea.
1: And what about Pep Guardiola? What does he do? If, if, if Manchester City win the league, does he stay and try and defend it again? Does he go again for the Champions League? Or do you think there's come a time now, Anne-Marie, where maybe he does fancy a bit of a, a fresh challenge? Because he's, he's been there for longer than I think anyone anticipated. Hasn't there been some murmurings or talk that he's got
0: maybe one more season left in him and then he was going to take a sabbatical like he did before? Like a break. I don't know what the exact situation is. It's a tough one, isn't it, Hayley? Because if he doesn't, I, I agree, if he doesn't win the Champions League, will he have enough, enough in him to go for it again? And, it, and I think that's the big question. And only he can answer that, to be honest, but it's the one he wants the most. I think, yeah, it'd be great to win the Premier League, of course, and get one over Liverpool, of course, but it's that Champions League. That's the one trophy that City crave. And I just wondered, would he have enough in the tank? To go for it again, and I'm not sure actually. But then you were, then I start thinking about well, who could come into City if Pep Guardiola? I cannot identify one person who could come in and take over the reins at all. Not now, uh, maybe in eighteen months' time. But yeah, I don't know if he's just if he's just still is the hunger still there? Is the desire still there? Because they got so close last time and then got undone. So it's a it's a massive risk if he doesn't overthink it like he did last time. You know, I think I think City have got a good chance winning the Champions League this year. I really believe that.
1: And what if, what if? I guess let's ask Eulens about Jurgen Klopp. Where do you think Jurgen Klopp goes after this? Okay, if they miss out on the Premier League and you get your predictions right and they win the Champions League, what does he set himself up for? Is he just going to sit there? He looks like he's just absolutely loving life in Liverpool, mm. and there's going to be, you know, no end. His reign at the club at Anfield, and with what's happened with Stephen Gerrard, you just think, maybe he's not going to come in as soon as we perhaps thought.
2: Well, their contracts at the moment run concurrently, don't they, to 2024? Mm, interestingly, um, mm-hmm. which many people read into that at the time that Jurgen would be stepping aside and Stephen Gerrard potentially coming in. But I think there is a lot to prove. Um, from Stephen's point of view yet. I think Aston Villa are a team with huge ambitions. They want to get European football at the moment. I can say this as a Wolves fan, they're not top Midlands club. So um, I I think there is a lot of work to do there. I think they have great players. I think uh, Steven Gerrard's clearly attracted um, a higher level of player to Aston Villa. I think a lot of the transfers and recruitment that's been done there has been really impressive. Mm. And I'm sure he helped with that, with attracting those players. Um, But is he on on a level with Jurgen Klopp? Nowhere near, nowhere near. So I'm sure he could, you know, if Klopp gets offered a contract extension, I don't really see him going anywhere else. No, I tell you what, if it comes down to the last game of the season,
1: ladies, Manchester City take on Villa. Oh my goodness, if Steven Gerrard was ever going to want to win a game for not just his side, but Liverpool, that is the absolute game, isn't it? Imagine it comes down to that last game of the season. Goodness me, because City only narrowly beat Villa, didn't they? 2-1 earlier on in the season. Yeah. Okay, so we have a, a two-way title race in the Premier League. Um, let's just chat a little bit. I don't know if one of you two want to delve a little bit deeper into Syria, because there's a three-way tie there there's Milan on 66 points Napoli just three behind and Inter Milan uh, but Inter actually have games in hand so they've played eight um, but my goodness this is all set up isn't it for a very uh, exciting end to Serie A and these players are going to want to give it their all because a lot of these Italians have got absolutely nothing to look forward to apart from starting next season's defense of their title because yeah All of those that are playing in Italy that would hope to have gone to a World Cup uh, haven't got that to look forward to. You just wonder if it's going to affect things on the... Pitch for their club side, or whether they think, well, it's the only thing that I've got going for me now because uh, my nation has
2: absolutely and utterly let me
1: down again.
2: I might have tipped Manchester City to hold out and keep their nose in front in the Premier League. I don't think that's going to be the case in Syria. I think you look at the run to the end of the season, but you also look at form teams right now. And you mentioned Inter; they're in third at the moment with that game in hand. I think it's Inter's. To win this one because of the the form that they've been showing. I think you look at the the running as well. Milan still need to play Lazio and Atalanta. Mm. Um, Napoli. Oh my gosh, I, I I think they'll maybe fade away a little because they've got Atalanta, Fiorentina, and Mourinho's uh, Roma as well still to come. Uh, but Milan, they they have shown that they have got resolve. Um, and I think you know when you look at. Um, the fact that they've exited the Champions League as well. Maybe they can just fully focus Mm. on this now. Um, They're unbeaten in their last eight games. So I I feel like it's Milan versus Inter. But if I was going to go for anyone, if I was going to put some money down on this one, I think I'd go Inter. Have
1: you followed any of Syria A this season,
0: Anne-Marie? Not really, not really. I just, you know, keep an eye on the scores, but not as, as deeply as I should have done over the last few months or so but I like the fact that you've got three teams really going for it and despite Mm. into having that you know a game few as you've talked about I think Lindsay's actually spot on about Napoli because if you look at their run it's Makes me wince. So I think yeah, it's Inter's way. They just obviously obviously need to win the matches. But you're right. The fact that they're out of the Champions League, this will give them more focus. And of course, then you know Italy are not going to the World Cup. So again, another focus really for certain players.
2: So yeah, Inter's to win. I would say. Also, it's good for Italian football when it's Milan versus Inter. We all love the yeah. rivalries. Um, and and you've got that as well. Like I, I'm sure we'll come on Haley to Eredivisie, but we've always known that there's been. A huge rivalry between PSV and Ajax and we're getting that again this time. Yes, absolutely, absolutely.
1: We are going to move on to Eredivisie. Um, Again, another league that we update on Sky Sports, but don't necessarily follow very closely. But goodness me, we're going to want to follow things a little bit more closely now because how exciting it is there. And with Eric Ten Hag, of course, being linked with Manchester United, and I'm a Man United fan, I kind of want to see what he's doing with this team and whether this could actually happen. So We've got uh, by Munich and Real Madrid. We're not going to focus, of course, on the Bundesliga or um La Liga because they're they're way ahead, and and there's no point in even touching on Liga and either because PSG are a massive twelve points ahead their nearest rival. So the most interesting league it absolutely has to be uh, Eredivisie. The facts are Ajax lead PSV by just two points, and they're looking for a third consecutive title uh, but my my goodness I don't know if you guys have have seen some of these stats but this is such an impossible one to call isn't it Anne-Marie
0: yeah very much so and it, you're spot on Hayley what you said about all eyes will be on Ten Hag and can I just say I was a bit astounded by uh, Louis van Haar's comments about Ten Hag if you To Manchester United, that's a massive spanner in the works. I did not expect that at all, but anyway, I digress. Yeah, exciting, isn't it? Great that we've got leagues that are really going down to the wire, that nobody's going to get a stroll in the park, and and definitely in the Eredivisie, you're going to get that to the two best teams in the nation going pretty much head to head. Exciting
2: times. I think Ten Hag and all that speculation is actually part of the problem here for Ajax. I wonder how much think? all of these Manchester United links are derailing them at the minute. I mean, they were cruising. They'd hit the control button and has just sat back. and And now they're going through a dodgy patch, really. They've won 11 of their last 12 games, but... They've won the last 3-2, three, three, showing that sides are starting to get back into it. Um, and I wonder if there could be an upset or two between now and the end of the season. Seven games remaining for, for them. It would be criminal if from the position they were in, having scored 80 goals as well. It's 12 more than than their rivals PSV. You would have thought they'd have been more or less home and dry. But the, the fact mm. that this is really wide open again, I wonder whether that Manchester United link has played any part. Are the players feeling like Ten Hag might not be here? Why are we gonna do this with him when we don't know what our futures mm-hmm. look like? You think he's got one foot out the door already, Lindsay? I think it's been, I think his little toe has been out the door for a <laughs> while, Anne-Marie. Mm-hmm. I do. You, mm-hmm. I mean, if a Premier League comes, Premier League team comes calling. Um, I'm sorry, but Eredivisie versus Premier League, there's no comparison, is there? His his head must be turned, um, and he's been linked for some time. I mean, I feel like I've been doing reports for months where his name's been included on lists, um, but it, it feels like it's ramped up, doesn't it? The last mm. the last month, and he's he's having
1: to go through these interviews, which. I'm guessing you, you put presentations together. It could be a very elaborate PowerPoint presentation. Yes, taking his to eye stand off the there. ball. Yeah. Yeah. Talk knowledgeably about Manchester United and, and opposition and absolutely know about um, not just the first team, but, but you know, the, the academy and, and everything else. I'm sure it'll be questioned on that. So, yeah, I guess, Lindsay, now that you've mentioned it, there is that to consider as well. You kind of just want it cleared up, don't you, before the end of the season so everyone kind of knows where they stand. But then if you have a manager who says next season I'm going to be at Manchester United how does that, that affect Ajax or will he not go to Manchester United could he turn it down I think you're right Linz no one's turning down the Premier League but maybe he does listen to Louis van Hal who said it was a, a commercial club and he wouldn't be joining a football club it, it's a commercial club he'd be going there as a business manager ooh that is oh. cutting oh. Louis Louis <laughs> I love that If you're listening to us on the Offside Rule, you can, of course, listen as well to the Women's Football Podcast. And this week we have Laura Bassett and Carrie Dunn. I do believe Anne-Marie Batson will be joining the Offside Rule Podcast WSL edition next week. So stay tuned for that if you want to catch up on all things uh, women's football. What's happening with this postponed game? Covid wreaking havoc again. (laughs) My parents have got it. Football teams have got it. Everyone seems to have got it at the moment. Were you a bit shocked about that big game being called off at the weekend, Lindsay?
2: Uh, No, not in the end. I think we'd we'd had the signal, hadn't we, when Chelsea and Spurs was off midweek. And I think the North London derby was then a major doubt. I Mm. feel really bad for all the organisers behind that. Um, (laughs) You know, I think there were over 15,000 fans expected. And I know there was a lot uh, coming from from abroad. There were people travelling quite far to come for that match. And of course, the the plug gets pulled and it's devastating. What it did do was it opened up the the opportunity for, for Chelsea at the weekend to go top of the table, which they duly took with a 9-0 victory mm-hmm. over Leicester. So uh, it, there's a lot still to happen um, with these rearranged fixtures. Uh, the Athletic Women's Football podcast, though, they, they cover all of that. They cover the postponement. So so listen to Carrie Dunn. Um, we've got Kate Borset and uh, Laura Bassett with them as well this week. So you can get all the lowdown. Um, I was too busy trying to catch my breath after all the football that we'd, like, we'd had. <laughs> (laughs) over the weekend it was a a double wasn't it on sunday on sky so um lots of goals for people to enjoy and hopefully people manage to tune in
1: yeah well done you do you know what i i went home for the weekend to spend a little bit of time with my parents because my dad's not been very well my mum has been in hospital I thought, oh, go to the rescue. It was great, actually. Um, We had a lovely time. I took my little one up there and I walked into the house. She said, oh, your dad's dad's a bit grumpy. There's not football on. She went, he's managed to find some football and he's been engrossed. And I'd gone in and he'd, now my dad falls asleep a lot these days, but he'd managed to stay awake for 63 minutes of Manchester United's game in the WSL. And I looked, I was, yeah, I've been going through some of the previous things I've recorded for my little girl in the cartoon section of my Sky Box at my parents, and he's recorded loads of the women's games, and he'd actually watched a lot of them as well. So he's never really mentioned that to me. So I quite like that because my dad is a little bit old school, and I yeah, I kind of wasn't sure if he would be able to sit down and sort of understand what was happening with him having dementia at the moment, or sort of you know understand the importance. But yeah, he, he was telling me all about the title race, and he quite enjoys watching Manchester United, although he says he wishes it was Old Trafford with lots of fans to make it a little bit better. But anyway, there you go. You can listen to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Right, ladies, as we record this midweek, Barcelona women are preparing to take on their El Clasico rivals, Real Madrid. At the new camp. Now, goodness me, the crowd is expected to be as huge as 90,000, and that will be wow. a record attendance for a women's game, overtaking 60,000, which was still huge, who watched Atleti take on Barca. So that was uh, way back in 2019. Of course, COVID came and ruined. All of that. But we're back on track, looking set for 90,000 fans to watch a women's game. Hugely momentous and a very exciting record. Got us thinking about which other records could be broken in the final few games of the season or just 2022
2: in general before we head into next season. Hit us with what you've got, Lindsay. At the start of the season, I'd have been tempted to put something down on this one. I'm not convinced it's going to happen now, although it's still Mm. possible. And that would be a brand new record. Record with six English clubs in the Champions League next season. Now, in order for that to happen, these three things need to occur. An English club needs to win the Europa League. Well, West Ham are still in it for that, so that could happen. An English side needs to win the Champions League. I've already revealed I think that's going to happen. So if an English side wins the Champions League, that's two out of three. But it's uh, this final one, which maybe is the undoing. And neither side can finish in the top four. Neither of those two sides. So West Ham or whoever uh, wins the Champions League. And of course, uh, it's going to be Liverpool or Manchester City, isn't it? Most likely. And and if it was Chelsea and Chelsea dropped out of the top four. That's the only way it could happen. Um, So I I think that one's gone. But I wanted to mention it anyway, because in case anyone's wondering in the past, the most teams that we've had in a Champions League season has been five previously. That happened in 2005 and six and 2017, 18. So if there is ever a season in the future and it doesn't happen this time, remember this podcast, six will be a record if ever we achieve it.
1: Oh, On the theme of of the women's game, I wanted to talk about the Women's European Championships um, because it was a record, of course, at Wembley last year. And it looks like there's going to be a record attendance for women's games coming up in terms of um, for their nation. So Euro 2020 kicks off against Austria. There's a big game at Old Trafford. And already 350,000 tickets have been sold um, so far of the 700,000 on pre-sale. They sold out within an hour. So we could see a record international attendance for a women's game. We watched the record attendance uh, being broken um, in the Netherlands in 2017. We've got really exciting games um, against Norway. Brighton's Amex, there was the uh, game as well at St Mary's to come. That's completely sold out. The tournament, just remember everyone kicks off in July the 6th. We don't have a World Cup this summer. It's going to be in the winter, which has meant that we can put all our attention into the women's game, and if those next batch of tickets go on sale, go and try and snap them up. If you're wondering what the current record is, well, it can't outdo the 90,000 midweek between Barcelona and Real Madrid. It's 41,302 for Germany as as they uh, lost to host Sweden, wasn't it, in, in the last uh, Euros. But... We think we're going to get a record attendance for the next European Championships, which will be absolutely wonderful. And I think, yes, 700,000 of those tickets will be absolutely snapped up and have a record-breaking summer of of women's action. What have you got, Anne-Marie? All about the money,
0: ladies. Got to talk money.
1: Ching! (laughs) Ching! Uh, net transfer
0: spend. So there was a really interesting story because I did the pay-per-view for a certain radio station over the weekend and we were talking about a story that Jonathan Norcroft had written in the Sunday Times and the headline was £150 million pounds for Declan Rice because the rumours are that you know, potentially he could move in this summer and it was a wider piece about the number of players who could make big money moves This summer, but also coupled with that, you've got the new overseas Premier League broadcast deal that also kicks in in the summer. Huge amount of money. So, if things go the way that they could potentially go, if Haaland does move on 162 goals in 209 senior games, and Mbappe potentially going to Real Madrid as well, and various others, the £1 billion level could be broken this summer for 2022, 2023 in terms of net transfer spend, which is absolutely mind boggling. I just Mm. cannot get my head around it. And I mentioned on the radio at the weekend to one of the guests and I said, you know, because he's somebody who played the game a long time ago. And I said, can you remember the the hullabaloo that was created when Trevor Francis was the first million pound Mm. player? And now we're looking at a net transfer spend of one billion pounds ladies I mean it's yeah I can't even start to get my head around it it's going to be an interesting summer for sure particularly when it comes to Mbappe and uh, Haaland as you know they're going to be going at a snip so to speak, but uh, other players are going to be moving as well. So when you put all that together in the broadcast deal for the overseas rights, woo, mm. there's going to be some
2: dollars spent. One more record I'm sure is going to happen, Haley is uh, the mm-hmm. record for the lowest points needed to stay in the Premier League. So in the past, well, we all know that great escape season, West mm-hmm. Bromwich Albion, um, they survived in 2004-2005 with 34 points. And you look Whoa. at the Premier League table right now, and no one is anywhere near that. In fact, Crystal Palace are the team at the moment with 34 mm. points, and they're way out of danger, you'd think. So I, I'd be very surprised if we don't get a new record for lowest points needed to stay in. Oh, I I mean, first relegation for Everton after 30
1: years in the Premier League, one of just six clubs, along with uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, United, Arsenal and Spurs, to have never been relegated Oh, They are three points clear of Watford, but I've played two more games. Four clear of Burnley, who played the same games. These are the teams they've got to take on. Goodness me, West Ham, Manchester United, Leicester, Liverpool, Chelsea and Arsenal. Arsenal oh, on the painful. final day of the season. I just, has it got going down written all over it? Or are they going to have some kind of miracle Have I just who'd have thought at the beginning of the season we'd even be discussing Everton potentially even in the bottom half of the table or scrapping for their, you know, they're they're scrapping for their lives at the bottom right now. It's just, you wonder, that's that's a whole topic for a whole other podcast. Where did it go wrong uh, for for, for Everton? But what what have you made of what's happened, Anne-Marie?
0: I I used the word before, the words before. It's mind-boggling what's gone on with Everton. And maybe this has been an accumulation of things that have happened over the years, the poor recruitment, the constant changes of the board. And the fans' discontent as well, the change in managers, coaches, and you know, Duncan Ferguson coming in and then stepping back down again, being you know, all those kinds of things. It's just mm. I think it's been accumulation of things and now it's it's coming to the breaking point. But you can already see that list that you gave Haley, you know, Liverpool, Chelsea and Arsenal are write offs straight away. Potentially they could get something against West Ham. It depends what Manchester United team turns up on the day unless there have been inconsistent. So those three, they could possibly get points from. But yeah, Liverpool, Chelsea and Arsenal, forget it. I mean, even Arsenal to a point, I would say, but definitely Liverpool, Chelsea, it's gone. And yeah, you're right. I'd never. We would never be having this conversation ever about Everton. It would be the one team, I would say, that I would never think be relegated from the Premier League. 30 years of service, goodness me. And can you imagine, if Liverpool do win the Premier League and Everton go down, can you imagine
1: what that (gasps) last day's gonna be like? Mm. Yeah, Mm. I I wouldn't wanna be in Liverpool that day. No. That's for sure. (laughs) Split families. Imagine imagine not having Liverpool against Everton. You know, that's a derby that we're gonna miss in the Premier League. Anyway, doesn't bear thinking about for the moment i tell you what we've got quite a bit of any other business any other business ladies because um i've just found a wonderful story that's just broken uh, whilst we've been recording i'm going to start with this because it looks like dynamo kiev will be playing football. They're going to take on Sporting Lisbon in the last 16 of the UEFA Youth League. And it's going to take place in Bucharest just... Uh, a week away on the 7th of April. Now, this was postponed back at the beginning of the March because of, of course, the Russian invasion. But with boys under 18 allowed to get out of Ukraine, uh, members of the Dynamo Youth Squad have relocated. They're in Romania at the moment, and they've said they want to play. They've all agreed they really want to play. The winners will take on Benfica in the quarterfinals. Don't quite know how it's going to happen, where these games are, are of course, going to be and how it's going to affect things. Uh, But absolutely wonderful that Dynamo Kiev are looking to play Sporting Lisbon all eyes will be on that and we'll be really hoping because you'd imagine these kids have maybe got older brothers fathers uncles grandfathers still in Ukraine fighting the war they might not have parents who are safe you you cannot even imagine what is going you know what they're going through uh, at the moment but if football gives them that little bit of escape um, and that kind of unity. And they're all together as a team. They're absolutely brilliant. So that's just one of my any other business. What have you found, Linz?
2: Have either of you seen the, the brutal account that Joe Hart has given about his um, yes. conversation with Nuno Espirito Santo at Spurs? No. Oh, my word. So um, Nuno didn't hold back. Um, Joe Hart arranged a a meeting uh, with Nuno when he'd taken over Mm -hmm. at Spurs about his role as a backup goalkeeper. And apparently, uh, the moment he walked in, he said, look, let's be absolutely clear. Whatever happens, you won't kick a ball. And then Joe Hart, um, on a podcast this week, retold this story and said that he questioned him and said, out of interest, you were a goalkeeper. Why has it come to this? Why can I not even be backup to first choice? and he's and he went on to say that Nuno said in my opinion we all reach a point in our career when the body doesn't allow you to play football we're at it now I would not feel comfortable with you playing one minute for me you're too old the ball's too quick you're not moving you've got no strength and then Joe Hart oh. said he literally buried me um, and I'm laughing because whether I'm deluded or not, I don't agree with any of that. And that apparently the sporting director weighed in and said, yeah, pretty awkward, isn't it?
1: Whoa, brutal. Oh, wow. That's absolutely brutal. brutal. Goodness. What have you dug out for us, Anne-Marie?
0: Well, on a slightly sombre note, Uh, The football industry has lost two titans in football journalism in the last few days. We had, of course, Paul Jiggins, a massive Millwall fan, former writer for The Sun. And then the last few days, Ian McGarry, formerly of the Daily Mail, and then latterly a successful broadcaster and podcaster as well and so it's been a tough few days for some of my friends within the football writing world having lost two as i said absolute titans of, of football writing so i just wanted to pay a small tribute i didn't know ian but i knew of him i read his pieces i, I was a big fan of his and also i knew paul jiggins jigo a little bit he was always very kind to me very mm. polite to me so i just wanted to pay a small tribute to both their families as they go through this difficult time to come to terms with their loss
1: yeah, that's, that's really, really sad. Okay, well, thank you very much, ladies. We very much look forward to having you back, Anne-Marie. It's probably gonna be when I'm not here, though, you get to come (laughs) in and and star as a super sub or special guest, I think we should have to say, yeah. Uh, Hopefully, Kate Boyce is gonna be back next week as well. It could be a combination of any of us. Stay tuned uh, for that. There's plenty to look at, of course, and read on the website as well, Offside Rule Podcast. Uh, Lauren Lawrence, journalist, has written a piece about taking her son to his very first football game. It's really interesting because he's got sensory issues an artistic trait so she wanted to sort of really consider carefully his needs so it's Reading against Manchester United at the select car leasing stadium so go and have a little read online to find out what happened there along with uh, Laura's case for clubs as well to invest in sensory rooms and accessible facilities I know a lot of Premier League clubs do it but but maybe not enough and wouldn't that be wonderful if that article could hopefully make a bit of a change so thank you so much everyone uh, for listening thanks for your feedback on the show go and give us a a review, a rate us, give us a five-star rating. Why not? Uh, tell us how much uh, you love us. Please go on, do it. It's at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Instagram as well. What are you up to? Very quickly, Lindsay, over the next few
2: days. Well, on Monday, I'm at Palace against Arsenal, and I've just Ooh. got it in my head that Palace might do something there. It's at Selhurst Park. Uh, Vieira against his former club. They'll be right up for it, and I think the squad will be buoyed. I- I'm thinking about Connor Gallagher, Tyreek Mitchell, Mark Gray coming back from England duty, and they'll just be thriving from that. I, I don't know. There's just something that says to me, Palace might give Arsenal a really good game in this one. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh,
1: Yeah, well, good luck. Enjoy that one. Anne-Marie, what about you? What are you up to? Uh Meetings, a
0: couple of football podcasts, and then some tennis commentary in the next few days as well.
1: That's Oh, very cool. And I'm just still celebrating the fact that uh, Scotland are still unbeaten as it stands. I don't care whether they win <laughs> as long as they don't lose. I'll be having an iron brew and maybe a cheeky whiskey at the weekend. But thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Anne-Marie, uh, for being our guest today. Thank you, Lindsay, and we'll see you all soon. Bye. You've been listening to the Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual places, or listen ad free on the Athletic app. The Athletic Sports Social Podcast Network.